the Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. This winter is an incredible time to be a sports fan with everything going on and more coming. There's no better place to get breaking news and real-time commentary than The Athletic, home to incredible storytelling, relentless reporting, and live commentary. The Athletic delivers everything you need on every sports story that matters. Visit theathletic.com slash track today. Get 40% off your first year subscription. You can also find their articles on track on every team page and every player page. We've got it synced up so that if you're looking for Warriors numbers, you're going to get Warriors news right there in your sidebar or scrolling down on your mobile device. Great partnership. We're so thrilled to keep that going in 2021. Again, theathletic.com slash track gets you 40% off right now. My name is Mike Giannetti. We got a jam-packed show, so I'm getting the heck out of the way here quickly. Catherine Terrell, the beat reporter for the Saints at The Athletic, is going to join me, talk some cap, talk some cap casualties, maybe some trades, obviously some contracts, and of course, the quarterback situation that New Orleans has gotten themselves into and where that may be going in 2021. So I'm going to start with her. We're going to bring in Keith Smith, our NBA resident guest, and Scott Allen. We're going to talk some preseason, some real, some real NBA stuff the Giannis extension, some odds and futures. And look, it's, it's th- we're still in a COVID situation. So a lot has changed. The NBA has basically adopted an amended CBA, shortened season, less travel, expanded rosters. Keith's got all the info on that. So Keith and Scott will give us a lot of data about the upcoming NBA season, which starts in six days. I'm going to bring in Catherine Terrell right now and talk some saints. But first, today's Spot Trek podcast is presented by olbg.com the online betting guide do you consider yourself an nfl expert knowledgeable in stats trends plays and injuries prove your skills against other knowledgeable football fans in olbg.com's nfl pick'em contest enter for free and share your nfl picks to win cash prizes there's 53 prizes given away every month totaling 780 dollars in cash prize olbg.com is sports betting communities where expert handicappers come to share their predictions and compete for a time place in the leaderboard. So you learn, you make some money, you compete. It's the best of everything. Help others make informed betting decisions and help yourself at the same time. Show them what you've got today. Visit olbg.com or also at olbg on Twitter. All right, thrilled to be joined on the OLBG hotline by the Athletics St. Beat reporter, Catherine Terrell. Catherine, you've been in the Saints rabbit hole now for almost a decade. This has been a heck of a team to follow. Thanks so much for joining the show. Just really up up front here, what is your general sense of following this team? Is it tough to get information? Is it, you know, as easy as it seems with the winning and the success and the stability of the coaching staff? Uh, Just general overarching question about the Saints. (laughs) Uh, The Saints are an insane team to follow. Uh, they hate giving out any information. Uh, they hold all that information pretty close to the vest. Um, and that's always interesting come uh, February or March when they do a million transactions to try to get under the cap. But um, always a fun team to follow, always interesting. And this year is going to be <laughs> insane uh, with the cap going down and the Saints being well, I don't know, like a hundred million over. Just kept kidding. They're only seventy million over. But, it's uh, it's almost it'll like you know why I asked you onto the show today. I mean, right, right. You're I'm burying just, the I'm lead teeing, here. I'm, I'm teeing you up uh, with their insane cap 
craziness that's coming in just a few months. Okay, so you mentioned they keep it close to the vest. That's clear as day. Obviously, they did that with this quarterback situation. Is that? Did you have the same sense that we did that? You know, the Taysom Hill thing was. I don't know. Answer the question for you. Was it gamesmanship? Was it Peyton being Peyton? Did something happen that week with Jameis Winston that just made Sean Payton say, nope, can't do this? Or was it always going to be Taysom Hill? Was the plan maybe even two years ago to eventually get to this point with Taysom Hill? Yeah, I'll admit, um, I got a little fooled. Um, Coming out of training camp, I mean, I actually was lucky enough to watch almost every single training camp practice, which I know sounds weird, but in this, you know, in the COVID era, we don't all get to watch practice. Um, and so my sense from all the practices I watched was that Jameis had a better camp than Taysom. I truly believe that just from what I saw. And then we come out of camp and Taysom is the number two. So, yeah, I guess maybe we should have believed them, but I never believed these depth charts. And I kind of thought they were just putting that down and it was really Jameis. But I think that when it came down to it, uh, Taysom is in a lot of other meetings. You know, he's got special teams duties. You know, he kind of moonlights as a tight end. So if a quarterback has to come in for Breeze in the middle of the game, well, the quarterback that's most prepared is Jameis Winston, actually not Hill. So it actually did make sense, their explanation, that they said Jameis is going to come in in that situation. But if it's a situation where we have a week to prepare, then it's going to be Taysom Hill. Uh, so I, that kind of made sense to me. I, I thought that they always wanted to try Taysom out and, and see what happened. Um, but, yeah, it's it's been interesting just watching this whole process play out because everyone in the world has an opinion about it. And <laughs> honestly, right now, everyone's now doing towards, well, well, we see what Jameis can do. So it's, it's been kind of interesting. So the baseball in me thinks Jameis Winston's kind of the closer then, but he can't be a starter, right? I mean, he's kind of the relief that's pitcher. Actually, yeah, that is a, that's a great way to think about it. Um, yeah, I think on their team right now, yes, that's probably how they feel. But I don't think that that's how they feel forever. I don't know. I think that um, Sean Payton loves Taysom Hill. And it, when they go in the offseason and Drew Brees probably retires, Taysom is probably the front runner for that position. But Sean Payton also keeps saying Jameis has a chance to compete, and I kind of believe him. Um, so I don't necessarily think they're writing Jameis off. I just think it's kind of the plan they went with and what they're going to go with until Breeze's ribs heal enough for him to come back. Yeah. I mean, he's steadied the ship, that's for sure. So you, you, you is there a chance then that Winston re-signs with this team? I think uh, maybe a chance. I, I think that's tough. Um, the thing that gives me pause is that Teddy Bridgewater resigned when he didn't have to, and right. he had a chance to go be a starting uh, quarterback, I think, in Miami, and it just didn't – it wasn't the right fit. And, you know, he waited. He got – lucky's a weird word when we're talking about injuries, but he got lucky that, you know, he got to play a few games, and he parlayed that into this huge contract. So it, it kind of – does Jameis want to do that? Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know if you want to be a backup to Taysom Hill. In Drew Brees, he's older. You think maybe he'll get hurt and you can kind of come in and be the backup like has happened the last two years. But I don't know if he's going to sign on for that. So I think if Jameis is going to come back, it's got to be a situation where the Saints say, hey, it's truly an open competition. You go to training camp and may the best man win. Because if that's not the case, 
he should go somewhere else and he should go somewhere he can start. And there are a lot of teams that I think would take him as a starter. So possibly, yes. Um, likely, I don't know. There's a lot of circumstances that could change that. Yeah, I agree with that. And, and look, it's not going to be easy to do anything on this roster, as you've, you've already kind of mentioned here. And part of that is Breeze, whether he stays or not. I and mean, if he stays, the cap hits ridiculous at 36. If he goes... You know they're going to have to spread out or, or take on twenty five million just basically or twenty two million ish in just dead cap because of the dummy years they've added. Um, so that's not easy. Let's keep that aside. So let's put Breeze away. Let's assume Taysom Hill's here. Whether they restructure that sixteen million or not, I guess is moot. Um, who who's going to fall? Which chip's going to fall? Because they, they, you know they've been restructuring for two decades, we know how this works, but they're going to get to a point where they're just going to have to have a couple of cap casualties here. You know, what position group do you think has a bit of a surplus maybe that they could stand to lose a player? Well, I think the the number one player I know is going to go is Sheldon Rankins. Um, Great player, bad luck with injuries. He is expected to be a free agent. I don't think he'll be Mm -hmm. re-signed with Animata already being re-signed. Uh, Marcus Williams is going to be a free agent. Don't see him being resigned. So I think the Saints have a lot of work to do, like a lot, more than normal with their craziness. Um, and I think that starts with uh, Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek. They're going to be playing on their fifth-year options. Saints have to find a way to extend both of those players. Right. Uh, Ramchek, absolute no-brainer, even though he's going to be expensive. He's one of the best right tackles in the whole league. You have to extend him. A lot of more, a little tricky. Um, he's a very hit or miss player lately, but extending him is going to lower that cap hit. Um, Marcus Williams, I, I think he'll be. I think I may have said that he's going to be a free agent. I don't know if they'll re-sign him. Then you you got to start looking at a bunch of other players, but I don't really know where you cut. Like Cam Jordan hasn't had a great year, but I can't see them cutting Cam Jordan. Right. Andre Seat signed this big deal but they can't get out of it this year. You need at least another year or else you're losing money. So I think you kind of have to suck that up. Um, and, and then really everywhere you look, it's like, okay, where is really a, a deal that's really going to save you money? And I, I don't know the answer to that because I think a lot of these guys are on fairly team friendly deals. What the saints do most of the time is they just restructure and push all the money down the road even more. And maybe they'll try to do that again, because the Saints essentially banked on the fact that the cap would keep going up every year. Right. Uh, they, like the rest of the entire world, had no idea that this pandemic would hit and the cap would go down. So they didn't account for this. And I think they'll try to figure out a way to see if they could just push it back just one more year to kind of withstand that huge breeze cap hit. But, you know, that's the Saints way. And, they always surprise us and somehow they always manage to make it work. They do. And it's going to be their toughest test yet for sure. And and I kind of did the same thing you did where I, where I went up and down the roster and look, you mentioned Pete. I mean, Sean Payton's publicly calling him out, but you're right. The contract is right. what it is. I mean, there's, there's no moving off that. You can't even restructure it because his contract, Kamara's contract, they're all very team friendly over these first two years. So there's not even worth touching that. So where it got me and, and one of the big reasons I wanted you on the show was I think we're going to get into the weapons when we talk about a couple of players that like, I'm not sure Emmanuel Sanders can come back. 
If you can save six million or, or eight million on a post June first, I think you got to let him walk. Uh, whether that's, that's a trick. And I'd say the same about Latavius Murray, even though he's been outstanding as a as an RB two. I think you got to take the two three million you can save there, but those are big pieces to move. Um, you know, and, and then we get into Michael Thomas, which I, I love your your overarching thoughts on that. I, I understand that the injury is what it is, and he's certainly playing at about sixty percent pace right now. Um, and, but there is a post June first way to get out of this. Is that even on the table right now? I don't think, um, I would say not yet. I, I think that I know he's had his issues and I know it, it's been a long year for him, but uh, I don't think they'd be willing to give him up yet, especially if you're considering there's a 90% chance, I'm going to say, if they're playing a new quarterback next year. Right. And new by new, I mean Winston or Hill or whoever is playing. New, I mean not Breeze. So you kind of want to have that security blanket there. I mean, yeah, eight, 18.8 million is quite tough to swallow. I don't know what the restructuring processes would be on that one, but no, I don't think they write him off yet. Um, but Sanders, that's a good point. I didn't even think of him because I don't know his contract off the top of my head, but yeah, that one totally makes sense. And then another one that people might not be thinking of because it's not that much money is Thomas Morstead. Yes. Not he's not playing great. Um, I think that's four million that you would get rid of right away, and you know that's a guy that's been there forever. But I bet I guarantee you they're preparing for life after him. Uh, even maybe Malcolm Brown. Uh, uh, that's probably another one that would be cut. They have enough uh, interior defensive linemen they can probably part ways with him. So yeah, I mean you're going to be looking at. A lot of guys leaving, I think. A lot of guys being restructured. And then they're going to be looking at life after some of the other ones, like Teron Armstead. I would not be surprised if they try to draft the last left tackle of the future there. So, Because um, he's supposed to get paid $16 million next year. So Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, they're big yeah. names. I mean, Quan Alexander, there's, there's no way they bring him back. Uh, that right. was, that was yeah. a rental piece. I like the yeah. Morstead discussion, you know, punters are people, but <laughs> you're right. You know, everybody's going to have to shave here. So it's going to be tough on the special teams or for a lot of teams. I think, um, Ingenuous Jenkins, we didn't even mention him. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of pieces million, they've acquired yeah. here. So, um, two more questions and I'll get you out of here. The, I think the trade is going to be gigantic. The trade piece, the, 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 the use of the trade is going to be huge because you're going to have teams that can take cap on, you know, notable teams, the Patriots, maybe even the Colts to some degree, the jets are certainly going to look to add pieces. Um, is anybody in that conversation? And I guess we keep Thomas out of it. And, and let me, let me bring it back to the quarterbacks too, because I, you know, I've been, I've t- talked tirelessly about how this could be another quarterback carousel off season. You know, and we can add James to that conversation to some degree. I can't imagine this team is ready to rebuild in any degree. I mean, they're, they're clearly going to try to rebuild on the fly. That's obviously what the Taysom Hill part of this is, but I don't think they're sold on Hill, right? They're, they're going to try to add some sort of competition or at least upgrade that position as, as, as they can see fit. Is there a quarterback out there that maybe is available via trade or via free agency in 2021 that you might see as a fit to go either with Taysom Hill or supersede him? Oh, see, everyone loves to bring up Stafford, and I don't think that's viable because 
you can't commit that much money to the quarterback position between Taysom Hill, Drew Brees' dead money, and, right. and then whatever he would cost. So I don't think he's viable. I, I think – if Jameis is not back, you're you're either you're drafting one or it's like a situation where you just sign a veteran minimum guy behind Hill. There's just not that much money to go around. I mean, think about it. We've mentioned this, but twenty two million for Breeze, sixteen million for Hill, if he if he doesn't get restructured, which how is he gonna be restructured? We still don't know if he's capable of being a starting quarterback. at least I don't know. I mean, so that's already, uh, I don't do math well, but that's uh, already quite a, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quite a bit of money. And then you can't add another expensive free agent quarterback to that. So whoever's number three is not going to be able to cost much money unless Taysom Hill's getting restructured. Um, so I think that's what people keep forgetting. Uh, it almost feels like, this year has got to be the year and next year is going to be a bridge year and then they could figure it out the year after that but next year is going to be tough for them I think um, I agree with the cap and, and, and that's what I mean when I say they, they're not ready to rebuild but I'm not sure that they're going to right. be able to c- continue to compete at the high level I think they're going to be stuck in the middle next year and that the finances have finally caught up to them because of the league situation would you would you agree with that I think so I know everyone's saying oh you know um they figured it out. They know how to deal with this. And, and yeah, to an extent, yeah, they have. But they knew it was all going to come home one day. They just hoped. And honestly, they really hoped that by the time Breeze retired, the cap would be so high it wouldn't matter. Well, just insane life circumstances has made that not happen. So um, I can see 2021 being a little tough. But I think by 2022 – they'll have rebounded and cleared all that money off and they'll be okay. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the, your context about the quarterback is super interesting because we're talking almost 40 million to a, a player that won't be on the roster and breeze and a quarterback that they m- aren't sure is actually a quarterback. <laughs> so uh, right. that's a heck of a swing and a miss if that happens. So you're right. It's going to be like a Tyrod Taylor on a minimum car or something like that. That's just going to plug and play as needed on a, on a million and a half dollars. And that might be a lot of teams, to be honest, not just New Orleans. I mean, it's got to be. And the thing about Taysom is if he had come out and just been brilliant and, like, absolutely proved he was the guy to succeed Breeze, this wouldn't even be a problem because then the team would be looking at his contract as, okay, we're going to extend him with a new contract paid as a quarterback. And usually when the Saints extend or or give a new contract, that first year number is therefore lowered. Well, do they want to do that now? Or do they want to just go with them for one year and not be stuck with this contract when they don't know if it's going to work out? I mean, now there's so many question marks more than I even thought when he started starting for breeze this year. And, uh, you're right. He had to be know. great. He had to be yeah. outstanding to, to really right. clear the air, and he didn't do it. He was a great game manager. He's he certainly held his own, but I, even the $16 million cap is, is concerning to me because of their situation. I, I think they're going to have to restructure it <laughs> and just right. eat, eat it even in 22. for a quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're looking at it, I don't think it was a bad contract. I really don't because in my mind, I'm like, if, if, if he's a good quarterback, you get him for incredibly cheap, you look like a genius. If he's a bad quarterback or 
Well, you get one year of paying someone a lot of money, and, and maybe he's just a gadget player, and that's fine. I, I don't I have no problem with how they paid him. I just think now people a lot smarter than me have a lot of uh, decisions to make about how they want to pay him in the future and how they want to structure him. Now, they can always add voidable years. They always do that. Sure. Um, it's worked so far. I, I guess they could just do that and just spread out stuff um but i don't know i just know no matter what next year a significant portion of that salary cap is going towards quarterbacks whether drew Brees is on the roster or he's not and i'm willing to bet a lot of money that he's probably not um but he's surprised me before so and it's, yeah, always, and it's always the absolute last minute which you know more than anybody i mean he wait, he waits until two minutes after 4 p.m. when the league year starts to sign his contracts, which could not be more frustrating, I'm sure, for you. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was a Brett Favre fan, so I'm used to... Oh, I'm used to the last-minute announcements, but I feel like this one will... This one will probably be dragged out, right? Of course. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe he'll know, like, on January... And, oh, I'm saying January. Saints fans will not appreciate that. Okay, maybe on either January or February. <laughs> Mid-February. He will know, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he will know the next day, like, hey, it's over, and we'll all move on with our lives, but it's usually never that easy. Well, I, I, I'll just say this as a joking, you know, comical mathematical trigger, but, you know, what they do there is always creative. They could just kind of re-sign him to, like, a three-year dummy contract just so they can spread that dead cap out over two years instead of taking his all of his dead cap in 2021. They may need to do it. Just just a dummy. Take a million dollars as a parting gift, kind of like the Mark Cuban just did in Dallas with JJ Barea, uh, you know, just to be able to handle the dead cap. It, it, I could see creative things like that happening this offseason because we're just in a mess. All right. You, you are not going to be not busy. Let's put it that way. There's going to be a heck of a lot of moves, heck of a lot of, of uh, moving parts and pieces and a lot of math, unfortunately, for you. So I'll just give you an easy an easy answer on the way out here. How far does this team go this year? Because it's all about this year, clearly. It, it is. Everything has been pointing towards this year. Look, I think this team is capable of getting to the Super Bowl. I know uh, Sunday has scared a lot of Saints fans as to why they played that badly. But they always do this at least once a year. They're still capable of it. There's no true front runner in the NFC. Now, the Packers have been playing really well. That'll be the Saints' toughest competition. But this team is capable of it if they play how they're supposed to play. So it's Super Bowl or bust for them. I know anything less will be a disappointment, and I wish I could predict what they'll do, but I think that they're capable of getting all the way to February I just know that they've not lived up to expectations the last few years. So um, yeah. really could go any way for this team. My preseason pick were the Saints and the Steelers. And the reason I that's, picked... That's a great pick. I, they were. <laughs> and, but I, 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 I have absolutely no you know, gambling prowess. It had nothing to do with me researching the odds. It was simply... I, I identified those as two teams that have... 
20 players that are playing for a job next year. Literally the saints, everybody in the saints could be somewhere else next year of notable. And if Ben, if big Ben retires, you've got almost the entire offensive structure of the Pittsburgh Steelers heading to free agency. So again, total unknowns. That's how I think of things. You know, who, who needs it the most? And I think players in the saints and the Steelers are fighting for the rest of their careers right now. So uh, it's obviously been up and down, but I, I like the I like those how those two teams are built right now, and it's going to be a lot of fun seeing both of those teams turn over next March. Thanks so much for joining. You are at cat underscore Terrell on Twitter. You you are obviously at the Athletic, cranking out tons of uh, content. Any kind of podcast? Oh, uh, hey, uh, we have a great Saints podcast called. Uh Duncan Holder, I, uh, nice. you should check that out if you're ever on theathletic.com. But um, otherwise, just check out The Athletic, um, and I appreciate uh, you having me on. This is a fun discussion. Thanks so much. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, my thanks to Kat. Let's switch some gears and talk the NBA real season. It's already here. We are a week away from the NBA real season. Keith Smith, Scott Allen, lots of NBA nerd in his head. All right. Welcome back to the show. Keith Smith, our NBA guru, and Scott Allen, our spot track NBA guru. Guys, let's talk some uh, some preseason as we get ourselves closer to the regular season. It's finally here, six days away here from the actual regular season. Preseason has been in full fledge. It's been watchable. I mean, the basketball, is kind of, we're kind of limping back into this thing. I don't know how much the superstars are going to play. Keith, you kind of mentioned that quite a lot on your Twitter feed. Um, I guess let's start there. Is this league prepared to start the regular season? Uh, prepared or not, they're going to, right? Uh, we're we're, we're going to see how that goes. I, I think, you know, we're going to see the Lakers, the Heat, the teams that played deep into the season. They're going to sit guys here and there. The NBA made it very clear that is not to happen on uh, national TV games. So I think you'll see those guys play those games. And then when they've got the uh, Hornets in town on a Tuesday, they won't play, right? They'll, they'll sit and they'll, that's where they'll sit out. So, yeah, I think we're ultimately going to see these guys, uh, you know, kind of use the first month is my feeling as, as a little bit of a tune-up period to get ready. And then by the time we hit right around MLK day or so, when a lot of them wanted to start the season, that's when they'll be a little more full go. Any financial ramifications from this, or are we all just kind of putting our hands under our butts and, and going along with this thing? Yeah, no financial ramifications that I know of. I mean, everything is pretty well locked in. I think the, the national TV is the idea of the NBA owning. This is kind of a made-for-TV sport now, right? It's yeah. Without you know, very many fans. I think we're only at is it five teams? I think going to have fans in the arenas to start the games, and it's very limited, small amounts anyway. So I think the NBA is saying, "Hey, this is a made-for-TV sport for the time being. Let's make sure when it's on TV, you know, we're we're not playing uh, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth men out there for the whole game. Let's make sure our stars are on the court." Uh, I'm happy it's back. I mean, the, the bubble could not have gone better. The basketball was outstanding. So, you know, even yep. if we get 75% of that, which I think is probably what we're going to get for the first couple of months here, uh, it's just good that it's back in our lives, uh, even though it hasn't been that, that much time away. But look, we've had big news. I mean, I'll, I'll put the Gordon Hayward injury aside because I think we <laughs> killed him enough last week. So, uh, yeah, but that's already in our lives too. We've got a Giannis contract. Scott, give us the, the, the nuts and bolts about this Giannis extension, and then we're going to spin it around the roundtable here and, and talk about it a little bit. 
Yeah, so it ended up being a five-year uh, supermax, $228.2 million. Uh, and again, this is based on the $112 million cap for next year. And, um, you know, that is, um, it's flexible. If the cap goes up, he's going to make more than $228.2 million. There's an opt-out uh, player option in the last year, and there is a 15% trade kicker. So in the event that um, he is moved after in, you know, year three or four or where, if he gets moved at all, you know, 15% is given to him by the bucks. And then it would be spread out over those remaining years and added onto the cap that the team that would acquire him would be. Um, but for all intents and purposes, um, it's a win-win for the Milwaukee. They save face. They get their diamond in the rough sign for at least the foreseeable future. Uh, Giannis ends up getting paid as high as he can at this time. And then uh, the league wins as a whole because it shows that there's the loyalty to a small market franchise and that their draft process that they are pushing is is working for the most part because they were able to keep this diamond in the rough superstar in a small market instead of losing him to free agency at a big market. Keith, $45.6 million a year. Are we going to get to a point where it's going to be too much? Not specifically this contract, but maybe in two years, look, there's, there's a CBA coming up, you know, a big time CBA discussion coming up in the next couple of seasons you mentioned it's a TV show. That's where all the money is. So, you know, the more TV there is, the more streaming there is, they're going to continue to make that kind of money, uh, you know, something drastically with, withstanding. Are we okay with this kind of roller coaster ride around with these salaries or are we going to have a breaking point at some point? I don't think you're going to have a breaking point for the Giannis's of the world, but I think what we're already starting to see is uh, I equate the NBA is turning into the old fantasy strategy of stars and scrubs where you pay, you know, 60, 70 bucks for a few guys and then fill out your roster with dollar guys. And we're starting to see that with a lot of these teams is they're paying, you know, significant amount of money to a handful of guys. And then the rest of the guys they're filling out with minimums or close to it. And in the box, I just looked it up because I hadn't even really looked beyond Giannis, you know, agreeing, looked it up. They're roughly $20 million over the tax uh, starting next season. Yeah. Um, that, that's not, you know, a place they're going to be clearly they're, they're going to look to lower that to some extent. And that's, you know, part of that is, you know, the fact that he's on the books for so much money, but when it's those guys, you pay them what you have to, you're, you're going to pay, you know, Giannis, LeBron, you know, whatever the maximum amount that they allow you to pay, you'll pay that. And there are a lot of people who say, you know, if, if it was a, if it was baseball and it was free and open, Giannis would have got 50, $60 million year from somebody that's just how it would have worked but yeah it's not gonna break for those guys it's gonna break on the other guys though and that's where it'll go away we already saw a lot of teams leave large chunks of their uh mid-level exception unused this year because they're filling out with minimum contracts instead so that's a that's a dainty transition into i think where we wanted to go with this conversation right scott which is yes he's under contract yes the bucks look phenomenal right now because they've They've kept their superstar. They've also done some things this offseason to at least appear that, they, that they're going to be better and make a run in the Eastern Conference again. But let's say next year, because you're right, I mean, they're going to be significant taxpayers next year as it looks right now. And Milwaukee's still a small market. <laughs> no matter how, what they have in, in Giannis and no matter what the salaries say, they're a small market. They're not going to be able to come close to being a repeater tax, tax town 
are, is this team going to rip something up next season? You, you know, and you can even Keith take it to how long is Giannis going to be on this contract in Milwaukee? Because that we, you, we all know the three of us here know that nothing is safe. No contract in the NBA is safe. The second that a player wants out or the second that the team literally says, Hey, we're dead broke in terms of what we can handle. There's going to be a move. It's going to happen. And at least now Milwaukee can get $40 million of salaries back, you know, out of three, four players. And that's why you do this contract. But I mean, I'm listening to sports radio all day and I'm hearing all this stability, right? Milwaukee now has a stable superstar and I just don't look at it that way. Uh, You know, I look at it as a guy who's going to guarantee himself $228 million as a player, but the team it's year by year, right? Yeah. I I think, you know, I want to believe Giannis is a little different. I always believed he would resign with Milwaukee. Anyway, I think the, the history tells us when a player comes over at a young age from, from Europe, they tend to stay in their their NBA city longer than a lot of other guys do. I think we forget this is not only their home city, but this is their home in a whole different country. Um, you know, so that that means a lot to these guys. Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, those guys stayed forever. Um, even, you know, if you look, you know, a guy like Arvidas Sabonis was in Portland for, you know, a long time after he finally got to the NBA. So these guys don't move around really like some of the other guys do. So I think he's built a little bit differently, but you are right. NBA contract is only as good as right now. You know, if we're a year or two into this thing, he can't be traded for a year. So, you know, we know he's on the roster at least until next year. But if if we get into it and things aren't going well or they the, the ownership says, ah, that tax bill's a little high, we can't re-sign, you know, player X or we can't add this guy or do whatever because it's too much money, then that's when Giannis is going to say, hey, what are we doing here? Yeah. And we know that'll turn into I'd like to be traded. And it doesn't matter if he's got three, four years left on the contract. That's just the way it works in the NBA. So I, I don't know that he ultimately gets there, but it wouldn't shock me by any means. And when, yeah, when I just looked at it, they've got like $145 million in committed money on the books for next year. And that's, you know, assuming all the guys with player options that maybe shouldn't have gotten those this offseason, but did um, pick them up. It's it's going to be, you know, it's going to be hard for, for them to, to, you know, function and build out a you know, real competitive roster unless they really are committed to going deep, deep into the luxury tax. Yeah. So, Scott, that's that's plan B then, right? If they don't want to go into the luxury tax as deep as Keith is saying they're going to, and, and obviously our numbers say the same, you know, and Giannis is a guy who wants to stay. And I kind of agree with that. Mm-hmm. And your uh, your international point, Keith, is, uh, is excellent. So Giannis stays, but they have to shed tax. Scott, or, does that mean a guy like Middleton is probably off this roster in 2022? Yeah, that's the first guy I was thinking of. I mean, he's at 35 and a half next year. So if you want to shed some salary and bring back some assets, he's a guy that you could definitely move. Uh, with this season, he has two more guaranteed seasons plus a player option in 2023-24. So um, a, a team may look at that as a, a way to a, another small market team for that matter, um, because we know free agents don't like to go to those small market places. So Middleton may be a, a player that gets moved. Um, you've got uh, players like Brooke Lopez, uh DJ Augustine that are be under contract next season that could be, you know, those are those middle salaries that teams like to throw together to, for matching purposes. 
And then they also have some young guys, uh, DiVincenzo. He was already a guy who was supposedly going to Sacramento in that sign and trade in, and that fell through. So there's a guy that could be potentially, you know, shipped somewhere else. And then even if they need to shed now looking forward, I mean, DJ Wilson was another player that could be moved at the trade deadline this, um, this season, just because they're trying to project forward. Yeah. Yeah. I think what's interesting with the Middleton, as you brought up, you know, 35 million, I think what that turns into, that's a deal that you could turn into two or three guys if you're looking to fill out your depth. And that's, I think, what Milwaukee's going to be facing going forward. They're going to have those high end guys at the top of the roster. They're just going to need to fill it out. And a guy like Middleton could be somebody he's, very good. And I really have been a big Chris Middleton supporter, but when on his last contract, I wrote uh, several years that I thought he was the best contract in the NBA because that's how good he was. Now though, he's paid like he's a superstar and he's not quite a superstar. So, so yeah, I could see that being when they move on from. So it's your fault that Milwaukee's in this situation. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I, I will that kind of power. You, you I, do. I only you wish. Do. <laughs> All right. Uh, anything here, else here, on Giannis here. or should we switch gears here to more of the league stuff? I know it's been a, a long day of Giannis, but we all kind of look at it from a different angle. And, uh, you know, we're staring at these numbers a lot more than, than the average Joe out there. So, you know, nothing surprising about him signing, nothing surprising about the fifth year player option. All, all of that is standard protocol, right? Yeah, one of the things I one of the things I've noticed with some of these extensions in including Giannis is teams are they're using the player option and the trade kicker together. And in previous years, it's either been one or the other or neither. But we're starting to see, especially in these rookie extensions, where the extension, the, the that tiered aspect is based on the All NBA, but they're they're tiering it where it's twenty six percent, twenty eight percent, et cetera. But in addition to that, they're throwing in the player option and they're throwing in the trade kicker. They're throwing as much at these players as possible to try to retain them and give them you know the most bang for their buck now. Uh, whereas we didn't see this combination as much in previous years. So it, it, it as we talk about this player empowerment this is one of the aspects that have to be talked about because they're getting everything under the sun that the CBA allows these, the supermax and these extension players. And Scott, you've also done some research to this as well. And none of that deters teams from, from making trades. None of it. Trade, trade kickers, even as high as 20%, whatever it is, if they want that guy and they can figure out the money, if they need to add a third team in a trade or whatever it's going to be, NBA teams are, have been ruthless with just give me the player. We'll make the money work. I, I, I mean, you've got data for that. There's really nothing that's stopping yeah. the trades from, from happening. Yeah. I was looking at some of the data today. I, I compiled, you know, some of these five, six, you know, I went back to even some of the older where there were seven year contracts and it, it was interesting. It, these, these players that were signing max contract or max, max extensions, they were either being traded in year one or two or at the back end four or five. They're very rare year three trades <laughs> with these contracts. And I mean, it, it ranged from uh, like we've seen Russell Westbrook and, and John Wall. They had uh, like four, over $40 million remaining. Some only, you know, they had 25, $27 million remaining because we're talking five, six years ago, but this has been happening for years, 
And about half of these trades that I, uh, these contracts that were traded, about half of them had trade kickers. A lot of them had to be voided or waived because the salary was going to be over the maximum as it was anyway. So they weren't even able to cash in on the trade kicker as it was. So you're right. There, there is no deterrent. It's just fluff at this point, especially with Giannis. If the cap, you know, stays as it is, his 8% of his first year is going to outrun that cap as it is anyway. So a trade kicker is going to be null and void at that point. Yeah, and Scott, you're spot on with that. That's why the teams don't care because you're you're already getting a guy at his max. Unless the cap, you know, let's say we're two years out and you know things look really good after COVID and you know the NBA is making money hand over fist and the cap starts really jumping up again, which they put in some constraints to make sure it couldn't jump too high. Um, but when they did this kind of side letter agreement with with the union. Um, unless it starts spiking again, those trade kickers aren't going to mean anything because those guys are already at their max anyway. So yeah, you're absolutely right. T teams, you know, kind of look at it as fine. We'll give it to you that part. It's a, it's a, for the um, Jason Tatum and Donovan Mitchell. Those are the ones that really jumped out to me where they got the player options. But again, those guys are, you know, Tatum's already an all NBA guy. Mitchell's right there on the door of that. If that's what it takes to keep them, you're going to keep them and you hope in four years when they opt out and they will opt out because that'll be the chance to get that next big contract. You hope you've done enough to keep them once again, you know, on that deal. You're, you're not going to worry about that, you know, now. It's, it's more about get this guy locked up now. Keith, real quick, I've heard a lot today about how this is a good contract for the NBA because – you know, he, he's in Milwaukee now. It's, it's a small market, swinging big, however you want to phrase it. Where do you stand personally on the, this plethora of trades that we're talking about that seem to grow and grow more every year? I mean, there's literally two superstars right now in Harden and I think Rudy Gobert as well, sort of behind the scenes, who are probably out the door in the next couple of months here, give or take. Is it good for the league that there's movement because there's, you know, there's no bad news and no bad press or is, do we need more of this uh, homegrown talent that's, that eventually signs and stays for at least, you know, one to two, three contracts? Yeah, I think we want to balance. I think, you know, the Giannis deal is great because this is a small market team keeping their homegrown superstar guy that they went out and found at the back half of the lottery. Um, They believed in him. He grew into being the MVP and, you know, on a night to night basis in the regular season, at least he's the best player in the league. So I think, you know, we want to see that. Then I think it's good for the James Hardens of the world when it's they've given several years to a franchise and it hasn't gone exactly the way they wanted it to i think it's okay to have that movement and i think for the nba you you said it you know no news is bad news right as long as you're in the news cycle that's all that matters i think when it gets a little dangerous for the nba is when the season tips off in a week and everybody's talking about free agency next year and, you know, all those kind of things. And will this guy get moved by the trade deadline and those things? I think that's a little bit worrisome because we should be excited. Like no one starts talking about that in the NFL, right? It's the season's kicking off. We're all geared up and ready to go. No one's talking about who's a free agent a year from now. Yeah, we're, 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 you know, focused on the season and the NBA. Now, I, I say, too, I think part of that is the NBA skews to a little bit of a younger audience. And what they want is, you know, what's next? It's almost like, you know, I want to be able to fire up 2K and be, you know, eight seasons deep into my franchise mode, you know, where I've traded for Giannis and traded him again. 
you know, I, I you know, keep it coming, you know, keep these, you know, news things coming. And then, you know, that, that I think, you know, yeah, has a very big impact on, you know, how the league is covered and, and what gets talked about. Cause I, I can tell you, if I write a trade article, it's going to do twice the traffic of writing an article, breaking down, you know, why, you know, this re-signing was good for a team. Yeah. You know, it's funny because, you know, Scott and I obviously have been talking about this throughout the day as we prepare. And one of the conversations that came up is, are, do we, are we going to sound like jerks getting on the microphone tonight and talking about trading Giannis already? I mean, he just signed the, the darn thing, you know, 24 hours ago. And the first thing I thought of in my head is, well, when is he, when is he restricted? When does when his restriction lift? Because that's when Milwaukee can get out of this at some point. And, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, oh, that's probably not good. But again, you're right. It's sexy to talk about, you know? Yep. All right. Yeah, it, it really it just is. This is the way this league goes, you know. And, and to some extent, the NBA wants it this way. Otherwise, they wouldn't limit the contracts to be you know four or five years in length for the vast majority of the contracts. They they would let them you know run out longer, you know. But then you ran into you know the Glenn Robinson situation back in the day when it was a ten year contract as a rookie, and we hadn't even seen him play a game yet. So you know they they've hit a pretty good balance. So I think think it give, gives um that coverage that you want with a lot of player movement and all the excitement that comes with that. But I think it's good now he's there. He's in Milwaukee for, you know, let's just say a while and, you know, let's focus on the box and what they can do as title contenders and those kind of things. All right. Let's switch gears. Good stuff. Uh, like I said, we're six days away here from actual basketball that, that matters. There have been some changes. Uh, Keith, I know you're, you're on the pulse with this, you know, not just that there's 72 games, uh, look, a lot of scheduling, changes specifically for what we're dealing with and, and honestly the health part of it as well. Um, I'm just going to kind of bullet point you and Scott and kind of go back and forth here. I want to make sure that everybody out there understands what kind of season we're getting into. And honestly, I need to update myself as well uh, for <laughs> fantasy purposes more than anything here and gambling purposes, right? Uh, 72 games, a lot more back-to-backs, less traveling. It's more of like a, a truncated travel schedule so you're going to play you know a lot of the west coast teams all together so you can kind of stay out there which i get and i think that should stay by the way that should not be a one and done um talk to us about the trade deadline when is it supposed to be what does that mean for for buyers and sellers what you know what does that mean for teams specifically who may be looking to get under that luxury tax threshold and have have some work to do still yeah, it's going to be pretty late into this year. Now, some of that is the adjustment because of uh, everything is you know, starting a little bit later, but it's going to be around March 25th. It still has not been officially decided, but that's what everybody is loosely planning for. It sounds like that'll be locked in hopefully sometime within the next couple of weeks. And what's interesting this year is it's after the, they're still calling it the all-star break. There's not going to be an all-star game. <laughs> they're still going to name all-stars and all that, um, but it's going to be after that. And if you remember they'd moved it before after the demarcus cousins kind of fiasco of he played in the game and then everybody talked about you know hey you were traded in the middle of the all-star game to the pelicans you know what do you think about that and he was like wait what and you could see him literally looking at his agent his handler his pr guy whoever it was and was like what is happening here um but yeah so that is it's going to be after again now, not as big a deal, right? We're not going to have a bunch of guys at All-Star Weekend, you know, being pestered about trades and the like. But I think pushing it that late, that's going to give teams a really good handle on who are we. You yeah. know, well, what do we look like? It's it's still roughly the same kind of timing, about three months into the season. So it's not like it's super late from that 
respect. Um, but yeah, it still, you know, gives teams enough time to understand, you know, who am I? By then all the trade restrictions will have lifted on anybody who signed uh, this off season minus guys like Giannis with their one year restriction for their extension and the like. But, but yeah, I th- think it's going to be good because you, you've got right now, there's a lot of teams that are over the tax. Several of them, I always like to say, are, are in range of avoiding it, you know, where you can make one or two small moves and you're out of it. And I think you're going to see some of that happen this week as they're lining up their rosters. I think Utah, Indiana, those are two teams that they're right there. Keep an eye on them. I think they might make a move this week to get under. And then there's a handful of other teams that are barely over. And we know the Rockets will want to get out and get out from under the tax if they can as the season goes. It's what their recent history tells us. So, yeah, you're going to see a lot of moves like that. And then teams are going to be positioning themselves for 2021 because even though some big names are off the board, there's still some pretty good free agents out there. So, Question for both of you guys, and I'm not sure either of you have actually done the work on it, but you mentioned that it, there may be a little bit more time to figure out what kind of team you are, or who you are, a buyer, a seller, or, or, or whatnot. Did this weird, truncated, quick offseason mean less movement for teams? Was it, did, did, you, did you retain a lot of free agents more so than, than in past years because hey, we just got to get this thing back on the court. We got to know who we are. We, I know exactly what that guy can do for us. Let's, instead of replacing him like we may have done last offseason, you know, let's just bring him back for, for, for 2021 and go forward. Did you, do you have a, have a sense at least that that happened more so than not this year? Scott, I don't know if you've done any work on it. I've done a little bit of looking at it, so I don't know if you can speak to it. I haven't done a ton of work, but from all the transactions that I've done, I mean, the movement <laughs> with all the trades that have happened. I mean, I can just tell you the amount of trades that happened just to get p- players moved and shifted. I mean, it was like musical chairs at one point and who, who's on what team and uh, who's going where and waiting for, you know, two trades down the line. So I know from that standpoint, um, we had that kind of movement as far as the signings. I know – I. If I had to take a guess, it was probably 50-50. Uh, some guys were retained, uh, like Ingram staying and, uh, you know, Joe Harris and yeah. Bertans, uh, to name a few off the top of my head here. Uh, but then we had some other guys that moved because um, they were using the exceptions. Uh, we, we, we have like half the league that is hard capped right now because of using the exceptions because of using uh signing trades so that just shows that there there's a a plethora of movement because teams are signing with whatever means possible at this point yeah we're talking about the hard cap it's actually 18 of the 30 teams are hard capped this year and uh by either you know card cap how you get there is you get a player via sign and trade, you acquire one uh, that way, you use a biannual exception or you use amount of the non-taxpayer mid-level exception that is greater than or equal to the taxpayer mid-level exception. And we, we had a couple teams that uh, I think me, there might be a couple that hit the hat trick and did all three mm-hmm. in our hard cap, um, but there's definitely a couple that use the biannual and the, um, the uh, yeah. non-taxpayer. Um, with that, and there's a couple that did the non-taxpayer and the sign and trade, but yeah. So the work I did a little bit, and Real GM did a good job of this too. Was um, the roster turnover? It looked a lot like a regular off season. Um, what we did see, I think, was uh, teams loaded up. No, there, there's no Warriors, you know, out there. Everybody respects the Lakers as the champs, but they're not 
they don't feel inevitable. You know, it doesn't feel like everything's got to go right to beat them. I, I think teams feel like, hey, we're, we're going to be in the mix this year. We we can get there. So you didn't see, you know, other than Oklahoma City, there were no real teardowns. And then the Knicks kind of sat things out, which I think was was the right, you know, patient decision for them for a change. Um, but other than that, teams kind of went for it. They, you know, I'm going to I'm gonna go get guys. I'm going to do that. And I, I think what we saw was a lot more in free agency was um, prioritizing uh, strategic fits versus just grabbing talent. I think we saw some teams really use their MLE for guys who are, you know, rather than going with the fifth guy at our small forward spot, you know, we need a big, we're going to use the money on a big, we need a backup point guard. We'll go get a backup point guard. Okay. Now, so one of the things that really did moves me then. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I did notice in uh, some of the transactions dealing with the draft was in the second rounders, they're signing second rounders to a lot of two-way deals this year. And because of being able to have them on their rosters in the shortened season. And if they didn't use a two-way, they signed a lot of those second rounders using that MLE that Keith is talking about two, three, four year deals uh, with, you know, first two years guaranteed, maybe a third partial guaranteed um, to, to lock those guys in. So we're seeing teams sign those second round picks in in different manners than they have in the past more so with that two-way deal yeah and we're seeing some guys get the equivalent to what the 29th and 30th picks make that were second round picks because they gave them the bump on the first year salary using right. a part of their their mle that's kind of the benefit for those back-end years that might be uh, partial or non-guaranteed years or a team option on top of that and those kind of things yeah we've definitely seen that that's been uh you know i think is um you know interesting with the the um you know gms are getting really smart about you know we want to lock these guys up that are you know gives us flexibility if we pay a little now that's fine we can work around it and then we've got that little bit of flexibility and then if one of these guys hits like a nikola Jokic hit um you know now we control the process on him being a free agent okay so kind of standard protocol then for the teams this offseason maybe a little bit more specific uh but that is probably a good thing in the long run anyway so so you mentioned that so many teams are hard kept so many teams are currently over the tax threshold and certainly many of them will try to get under because that's just good business but we are in this unique year and, and one of the changes that has been made is look as the league loses money we're going to we're going to reduce that tax bill at least a little bit that goes with it are, are we going to have teams try and take advantage of this and say, hey, if we're going to go over, this is probably the year to do it, right? Yeah, I mean, look at the Warriors, right? A big chunk of, I mean, we've all had the conversation of them trading for Kelly Oubre was an $80 million trade um, because of his salary plus what the now resulting tax it is. But when you look at the the, the rebate, I guess is the best way to call it on the tax uh, this year, it's not going to be $80 million. It'll be more like, you know, 60-ish in that range. And that's, that's you know, interesting. I mean, that's still a lot of money, you know, for, for one player, you know, especially Kelly Oubre, who I like, but, you know, for your fourth or fifth or sixth guy, that, that's a, you know, big, big number. But yeah, some of those teams are definitely going to take advantage of that. I th- think, you know, the uh, Brooklyn Nets, they're, they're, you know, they're loaded up. They, they've got a massive tax bill. Um, I think a team like the Clippers and the Lakers who are, who are over, Philadelphia who are over, I don't think they're going to feel the pressure to try and shed to get under i think you know they're they're more focused on trying to be good and compete for a title so so yeah it's the teams that are that are close that they'll do everything they can to get under and a lot of that's going to be designed around especially like a utah 
they're if they retain Rudy Gobert, they're going to be really expensive for the next few years. So if you can dodge the tax this year and avoid starting the clock on the repeater tax, you want to do everything you can to avoid that. You you don't want to get hit with that repeater tax. You, you want to get out of it now if you can. So that that's the kind of things you're doing. Indiana, too, that's not a franchise that historically pays the tax very often in recent years. So And again, that repeater tax, they resign Victor Oladipo. Let's be optimistic. He gets all the way back. Looks great. You don't want to be in that position either. So I think it is really, um, you know, kind of case by case, you got to look at it and say, you know, what makes sense for that team. But I don't think there's going to be the widespread, you know, Philadelphia is going to, you know, dump, you know, Mike Scott and a couple other guys late to just lower their tax bill. If that happens, great, but I don't think they're going to feel pressure that they have to do that. No, especially not in Maury's first year. He's going to, he's going to be all in to some degree and at least before he can understand what he needs to do on a grander scale. Right. All right, Scott, back to you here. You know, another change, expanded rosters. This was a necessary change. I mean, you know, we saw it work well with baseball, with Major League Baseball. Um, and to some degree, that's what the NBA is giving us here is a couple of extra spots as needed. Uh, I can tell you right now in the NFL, they've, they've been given two extra game day spots. And they expanded the practice squads and they allowed veterans to be on the practice squads. They are taking... 100% advantage of it. Even the bad teams, even the Jets are taking advantage of this right now. Um, you know, putting backup punters, backup kickers, fourth quarterbacks, whatever they can do on a $12,000 salary on their practice squad. And every single Sunday, every single Saturday night, you know, I'm sitting here with a stiff drink in my hand, elevating players from the practice squad to these <laughs> active rosters to fill these, these two empty spots. Everybody's using it. It's smart. You know, you're generally bringing up linemen. The good teams are bringing up, you know, linemen, places where you need the most depth and you have the most injuries. Are we going to see this in the NBA? Because listen, we we opened this show by saying, hey, you know, LeBron, Kawhi, they're not going to we're not going to see them till January, you know, and we understand it. Right. Um, So is this going to be where the good coaches can tinker? The good GMs will know how to tinker to add that 14th player in the roster who, you know, maybe he's slightly overpaid and maybe he's in the conversation financially where, where he's a red flag, but he's it's for this purpose. It's because we need somebody who's worth a darn in that 14 spot so that we can move up and down as needed and get some production there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So they're going to be able to have 15 dress players instead of the usual 13 and they have their two way players. Uh, and I believe Keith, tell me if I'm wrong. I believe they're waiving that 45 day max this season correct? Yeah. Uh, what, they, what they've done is they've changed it from 45 days and important to understand it was days, not games. Um, right. Practices counted this year. Practices don't count at all. And it's 50 games. Um, they can be active for up to 50 games wow. this year versus, you know, 45 days with the NBA team. Yeah. So with those changes, I think teams are absolutely going to take advantage of that, especially in the beginning when you have a LeBron who has already said, I'm I'm not playing right away unless I have to. Uh, you're, you're going to have some of those guys at the back end of the roster get some playing time to um, get more experienced because in the event that a player tests positive and they have to be out for an extended time, those guys are going to have to step in and play some valuable minutes. I mean, we're sort of seeing it in the preseason here with um, uh, Horton Tucker on the Lakers getting some extra minutes. Some guys in, uh, uh, on OKC have been playing and getting some, you know, spotlight. Uh, so you're you're going to see it more as the season starts. You're going to see some of these players that you're 
probably have no clue who they are, get some valuable minutes because that experience is going to be needed uh, at any point during the season. I feel like LeBron is just talking him up, though, because he knows he's the guy that's going to replace him. <laughs> like, like, you better be good, man. I'm going to talk you up, and you better be good because I'm not going to be out there. I'm not doing this. <laughs> and Lakers fans are already out there, you know, pumping his for sixth man of the year and buying yeah. jerseys and everything else. He's the new Alex Caruso. He, he's this year's version of Caruso, right? Um, yeah, you know, Scott made a good point, too, with the two-way guys. They're just an extension of the roster. Right this year versus uh you know hey looks pretty good in the g league let's bring them up and get a look here they're going to be with their teams all year long the celtics one of the teams i cover specifically um they're going to have taco fall and tremont waters they're two two-way guys they're going to be with them all season long they may not even run the main red claws their g league team this year um and there's several teams that are looking at the same situation where they may not even have the G League, you know, franchise that runs this season. And because, you know, when you look at Boston, um, early on, Kemba Walker and Romeo Langford aren't going to be there for at least the first, let's call it two week, two to four weeks um, for Walker and then about four weeks or more for Langford. They'll fill the two inactive spots with those two guys. And then if they feel like, all right, we need a little extra depth and we're not too worried about the 50 game limit yet, they'll have fall of waters on the active roster right away. And one of the things that a few teams reached out and said they wanted to go to the full 20 this year, they, they wanted to carry the, the, the off-season 20 in the regular season because of COVID concerns and all those yeah. things. And what the NBA said was, let's treat it like we always do. We've got the hardship exemption where if you fall down, you know, so many players are are ill, you can add players to the roster for the, for the time that you're short players. And that's how they'll treat it this year of you. You can add additional players onto the roster and the like, and, you know, uh, teams like Memphis and New Orleans got really familiar with that for a few years where they, you know, were, you know, consistently down four five, six guys at a time. And they had all these additional hardship spots. Um, that is something I think you're going to see um, teams push for uh, this year if they need to, if they get hit, you know, especially with, you know, uh, COVID takes out two or three guys, they'll definitely be hitting up the NBA for, for those additional spots to replace them. You mentioned yeah, the G one of the things we're, we're definitely going to have a whole show with Keith here on the G league because Scott and I talk a lot about it and, and honestly just kind of spitball some ideas, you know, that other sports have from a characteristic standpoint that I think maybe the NBA is trending toward, especially with high school players coming. But Scott, real quick, the point I want to bring into this conversation is with baseball and with baseball base, eliminating the minor league system during the COVID year and adding that pool, that, that 60 man player pool, essentially, one of the great benefits for the fan, you know, the close fans and also obviously the players is we got to see some of these first round picks that generally are, uh, you know, buried in double A ball for three years who, you know, it takes them years and years to even get a, a look or, or, or a wink. We got to see them actually make some impact at the major league level. There's no chance that 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 doesn't happen, that it's going to happen in the NBA, that we're going to have more Alex Caruso's. We're going to have three to four players that maybe had no business being on an active roster this year that make noise in a mid-February week. You know what I mean? It's just, it's yep. inevitable. And I think it's good for the sport because, you know, the more of those small guys you can lift up that, that we know are all there. We know these guys are in every city right now. They just need an opportunity. So I, I do think that'll be a bittersweet, maybe a silver lining to this craziness. Yeah, I agree. And, and to piggyback off of what Keith said with the, you know, the Celtics and their two-way players, you know, 
those two-way players do not count against the cap. Yep. So that is why we're seeing a lot of those second-round picks that I mentioned being signed at the two-way deal. <laughs> Loop, right, because they're able to sign those guys. They they don't count against the cap. They're getting all the experience. They're being able to be with the roster and all those veteran players on a consistent basis without having to jump back and forth and travel from their G League to their main team and then back and you know wherever they may be. They're going to get all that experience they're going to get playing time and they count zero dollars towards the cap so teams were being smart in in using that feature and they were they the cba the players association made sure kind of knowing that the teams were going to benefit from they don't count against cap they they got them to agree that this year they all get a flat four hundred and sixty thousand dollars this year, which is a two way guy can make more money than sure. that if they play it right and they get converted and all those things. But a lot of them don't get there. They don't get to that number. So that was a, a you know a good deal for them too to say that. Which is why some of these guys who might have balked at saying nah, I don't want to do the two way path this year, where all right two way you know makes sense for me. You know I want to go that way. What what I I think is you know we like you said we'll do a lot of G League talk another day. Yeah. One thing I think is sad is there are a lot of guys this year who if let, let's say the G League doesn't end up happening at all, that's a lot of guys who are going to miss out on a year as a pro um, that are probably right on the fringes of the NBA. Um, a lot of the jobs over in Europe are gone now. They can't even go overseas. Um, some of those countries are closed off. They can't even get into them. Um, so that's going to be tough for some of those guys to, to you know, not have that experience. And definitely, I mean, nobody wanted anything to do with COVID and what's happened. But certainly the NBA had no plans of this with the, the G League Ignite team, the, the team that's full of high school players um, that came straight straight into to the G League. They were hopeful, you know, we can get them in. We'll have them be part of the G League showcase um, where, you know, they can be a part of that and all that. They were supposed to launch the New Mexico City team this year, which I, you know, I haven't been able to get confirmation if that's happening or not. The team that's actually joining the G League with Drew from the Mexican league. So we don't, you know, I don't know what's happening with them, um, with that situation. So there was a lot of big plans for the G league this year that just, they're just not going to play out the way they'd hoped for because of everything, the way it's all gone down. Okay, Keith, we'll get you out of here on this. Who wins the East? Who wins the West, sir? Oh man. Um, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that one. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. I'm gonna say, I'm going to run back. And I fully reserve my right because I'm still working on preseason stuff. Sure. Um, I'm going to run back my prediction from last year, and I'm going to say it's the Bucs and the Clippers um, meeting the NBA Finals. I, I, they, I like what the Lakers did. I just I don't know that they're as good in the playoffs as they were a year ago. I think a couple of the guys they've added a, you know, a little bit of trouble in the playoffs. I think the Clippers have a really good, deep, versatile team. I think uh, some of the nonsense they went through last year, they won't go through that. And, I, you know, the box still have Giannis. And I think this is kind of the make or break year for them with the um, front office and the coaching staff, because if it doesn't happen this year and they flame out early, there's going to be changes because they're not, they like we spent a lot of time talking about Giannis. They're going to make sure that they get the right people in there to try to get that team past the you know second round or you know past the conference final so i'll run it back bucks clippers but i you know we'll, we'll see i think this year's pretty wide open good stuff keith this was excellent uh outstanding as always how can we find you on twitter 
at Keith Smith NBA. Get, get ready for a lot of tweets this week about uh, players getting waved and shuttled on and off <laughs> rosters and, and all those sort of things. It's a busy, busy week. It is. Have a great holiday, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks, Keith. All right. My thanks to Keith Smith. Again, that's at Keith Smith NBA on Twitter. He's an excellent follow. He's kind of like a transactions feed, but also breaking it down and analyzing it. And we are thrilled to have him as part of the spot track team in terms of the NBA. Scott, you heard Keith's picks. We're going to talk some futures, some odds, some win totals, MVP candidates, all that fun stuff. Let's rip through this, sir. uh, As the season approaches, I know who you like because I talked to you enough. But who's which team's built to win? Keith thinks the Bucks can push this to the finish line in the East, which is tough. I mean, the East is really, because I feel like there could be a Cinderella. Am I incorrect in, in assessing that out of the East? Yeah, I think there could be a, a few Cinderellas um, when all is said and done. I, my pick. I, I mean, couldn't Toronto get I, back pretty easily? I think Toronto, but who I'm going to actually go with this year is. Um, is the 76ers. And I think I went with them last year as well. Uh, but I, I just think with the new head coach, with the new GM, the, whatever analytical tinkering that they're, they're going to do, uh, they made some acquisitions. They moved some, you know, move some guys off their roster. Morey thinks that they can have Simmons and, and be, be a powerhouse however they're going to run their numbers and metrics and do what they need to so i'm i'm going with the the 76ers and as the odds they're at plus uh 2400 so i like those odds for them as well so you think they're going all the way through the eastern playoffs i do okay because i mean yeah. from, from a regular season standpoint vegas has toronto and philadelphia neck and neck which i agree with they do i, yep. I think that's about right both teams are right there on the fringe of uh, they just got to figure out one thing out and you're probably right the the shakeup that philadelphia went through this offseason is probably enough if it goes well to get them into that next level and they should be able to compete with boston uh, just flat out the, their big man is better than boston's big man and that's it it's as easy as that now if you're thinking about because uh, here's what his, here's what they're dealing with: Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Miami, Boston, <laughs> Toronto. Those are teams basically ahead of Philadelphia right now in terms of the odds. That's a lot of uh, logs to jump over. You know what I mean? It is. So it is. It, it's a good bet from an odd standpoint because you're getting good numbers. Um, but that's a lot of well, work. That's a lot of work to do. But I do like the experience yeah. part of that team. I do. Yeah. But with that being said, you know Brooklyn. We, they're essentially starting over right now with having Irving and Durant on their roster playing games because we haven't seen them at all. They they have new coaching staff as well, yeah. uh, but they're they're going to be offensive heavy heavy, but they're not going to have the defensive uh, power that other teams are going to have. So are they going to be able to always outshoot and outscore? the other teams and if there are other teams that are going to bring the defense on them is Brooklyn going to be able to uh, compensate I I don't know the answer to that they're they're wishy-washy for me as until I see otherwise yeah Boston you know when you're you're out Kemba to start the beginning of the season Tristan Thompson is not doing much in preseason because he has an injury. They're going to have to play some of those young kids. I get Tatum. I get Brown is there. 
Uh, Marcus Smart is there. But, you know, again, I, I have to see how that's going to gel. And I get it. It's a shortened season. They're going to – we just talked about how – teams are going to sort of slow play the beginning probably with some of their stars and whatnot. But I, I, I just think that the 76ers are, are, are deep from a veteran standpoint, from the roster acquisition that they did. We knew they needed shooting. They went out and got shooting. They went out and got a head coach that is, is proven They've got a GM that is – he is proven. They just never got to the promised land. Um, and then, you know, Miami, they're the other one that I, that I like. Um, they're my pick, they're, Scott. And I know it's lame to go back-to-back on a team in a conference, but for every reason you just said, Miami fits the mold. They, they stayed consistent. In fact, they're probably healthier because Bam's going to have some time here to heal completely. Jimmy is the kind of guy that can take over two weeks of basketball and he, and he did it. And Tyler hero seems to be the guy that can take over two other weeks of basketball. You understand what I'm saying? So if that really works, if this wasn't just a fluky bubble season for Miami, that is a team that has the mechanisms to go long-term and maybe continue to win on a grant because they did not shake it up. They did not do too much to try to, get that next level and get to the finish line. You know what I mean? They like who they are and that makes me confident in liking who they are too. Is that a a decent way to assess them? Yeah, they are. And and they did bring some pieces. I mean, they lost uh, Jay Crowder, but they brought in Avery Bradley. They brought in, um, uh, you know, they've got some other players that they, they drafted. Um, But they also have some players that in the event that they get close to the trade deadline, they could move some players to bring in some other assets. I mean, they've got that Iguodala at 15 million. That's a nice, uh, you know, middle of middle contract there that that could be flipped for, you know, an upgrade if they need to. If he's not producing as they want and not filling out those minutes. Um, but I, I agree. Uh, Miami is probably my second pick behind Philadelphia, but I, I'm going to go with Philadelphia because I just think for some reason this year. Uh, it, they're, they're going to figure it out. One more team, because, uh, you know, before we give our picks and move on here, uh, I know Houston's been an absolute disaster zone this offseason <laughs> in trading Westbrook, acquiring Wall, and now, you know, six days before the season, James Harden is the driving force of this league because he wants out. Do we, do we know they're going to be terrible? I, I, I mean, Westbrook and Harden as a dynamic duo with very small complementary pieces around them. And I'm, I say that loosely made it to the conference semifinals last year, right? Lost four, one to the Lakers. Isn't there a world where John wall is as good as Russell Westbrook? If healthy, if he's healthy. Yeah. yeah. If healthy. So why, yeah, so mean, why should there be this significant drop off? Why shouldn't they be the third or fourth best team in the West right now? I'm not joking. I mean, James Harden scores I, enough damn points to win games. He does. So my my guess is Vegas just doesn't like the wall, uh, uh, you know, health. The the fact that he's had all of these injuries, we really haven't seen him play for two years. And but then I you shouldn't have Brooklyn been, as the third best va- odds in the league because Achilles almost never yeah. heal. So you should not be relying on Kevin Durant this year if you're following the medical trail. 
True. And, and that's why I think both of us are staying away from them from a, from a pick perspective. But I, I, I put a lot more. I mean, John Wall has <laughs> sat on his butt for 18 months. You know, he better be healthy, whether that's sustainable or not. I, I'd, put, I'd give that a lot more faith than I would Durant's Achilles. I sure would. Yeah, but in Durant's, you know, same with Wall. You you said the extended time. Durant About sort the same. of has had a, yeah. a silver lining in that this the league is not starting until December 22nd. Yeah. He's gotten all that extra time because he said he wasn't playing in the bubble. So he's had all that extra time to really let his body heal and then put it through, you know, the progressive uh, run through leading up to the season. So he may come back stronger than, you know, a, uh, a guy coming off of an Achilles where they're, they're trying to squeeze it in, in one year, he's had that extra time. Now, with that being said, I, I, I can't say Houston is going to be a failure at all because like you said, John wall he can he can play. He, yeah. he can he loves to pass the ball. He which Harden is going to like that because he can get past the ball and then he can shoot his step back three. Uh, but but they acquired Christian Wood. PJ yeah. Tucker is a player that is still a, uh, a you know so he's sort of that glue guy on that team. And um, it's a shame that they had a player who uh, you know blew out his Achilles yesterday so he's done for the season he is non guaranteed so you know they may move him in one way or another but I, I can't write Houston off because you know they're not contenders Russell Westbrook. They're, they're not they're not championships contenders but no they're not but they're they're gonna make noise in the West if they can if they can keep hard in this roster and walls healthy I just think that one-two punch yeah. could could be at least as good as Westbrook and Harden. And that worked, that worked from a regular season standpoint. It worked. I mean, it carried them through a regular season. This is a shorter, well, I shouldn't say that it's about the same regular season. Um, why, why not wall and Harden? So I just, I know, I know Harden came in into the, onto the team out of shape. Guess what? So did, uh, I, I promise you Embiid is, <laughs> I promise you, we heard from Mark Cuban yesterday that Luka Doncic isn't at, at full health yet in terms of being in, in game shape. A lot of guys are going to be this way. It was a quick off season. Guys had to go home and just detox. They just did it with that. That bubble had to be arduous from a health perspective perspective. Just, you know, think about your kids sitting home remotely at school right now. They're not moving, <laughs> you know, that's essentially what these NBA players did for God, 72 days or whatever it was. So uh, everybody's going to need some time to kick it back into gear. I'm not going to fault Harden for that. Not to mention he's, you know, like I said, he's, he's without saying it out loud, he's trying to get the heck out of town, but I think maybe sticking around for a little bit and seeing how this goes won't be the worst opportunity for him. That's all just playing devil's advocate here. No. Yeah, I I completely agree. I mean, and they're at, you know, plus 3,600. So if someone wanted to put uh, some cash on that and think that they're going to go deep, then, you know, uh, kudos to them. I, that's not where I'm going to put my money though. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> All right. MVP. <laughs> Speaking of Luca, Luca is your, well, who, who's your West? Who do you, who do you, have Oh, my bad. Uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to agree with Keith on this one. I'm going to pick Miami and the Clippers. All I'm going to do is change the LA team this year and, uh, and say those two teams get to the finish line. There are smarter picks. There are way better odds picks. I mean, I still can't believe Portland is the 15th best team in the league, but that's about where Vegas has them. Um, So there's some dark horses that I would love. I'd love to see Phoenix take a gigantic step forward this year. 
I actually liked what I saw at a Golden State last night in the preseason game. I, I, yes, I just said that sentence out loud. Um, and who knows with Denver? They changed nothing. They're just <laughs> expecting Michael Porter Jr. to turn into a superstar this year, and that's going to be enough. And guess what? That sure as heck could be. That sure as it heck could be. Could be. So yeah. uh, I'll stay Clippers. Where are you at? I'm going to go Lakers. I'm going to go Lakers and, and 76ers. Okay. That's nothing boring about that. I mean, that's that's good no. stuff. So, yeah. Um, neither of us are picking the Nets. Neither of us are picking Dallas. No. Even though, it, as I'm about to get to here, Dallas has the odds-on MVP of the league in Luka Doncic. You agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. Because he has the most to gain. Because he's gonna, it's gonna be a one-man show. He's, you know, the guys are. I mean, he essentially lost a couple players, even though they added Josh Richardson. He's going to be shooting more threes this year. There's no question. How do you? How can you not say that knowing what they did this offseason? He should be geared up for Russell Westbrook-type OKC performances, correct? Yeah, he should, and Porzingis is starting off injured. So <laughs> What else is new? It's, it's December, so... <laughs> <laughs> he, so the ball is definitely going to run through Doncic. Um, yeah, but, you know... If I'm putting money down, I'm I'm gonna go Giannis at plus forty eight hundred. Uh, sorry, plus four hundred eighty. Um, I I just think that the acquisition of Drew Holiday and some other uh, aspects on that team, um, Giannis has only been playing like thirty minutes a game and still puts up the points. Not this year. That he does. No, nope. Keith's right. This is gonna be a push it all in year, and they're gonna expect Giannis to play some ball. So no, that's what Scott, I, mean. that's I, I what agree. I mean. Not only do I agree with that comment from you, but I would parlay that with let's get to it. The defensive player of the year, because Giannis is the third best odds at plus three ninety. So if you parlay, has it ever happened? Has ever, anybody ever won the MVP and the, the defensive player of the year in the same year? But I think yeah, I would, I think I would bet on that. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, because you know, he is a beast. He he actually did it last year, or he was MVP <laughs> well. There you go. <laughs> but going through, uh, go, going back in history, I don't think anyone else has done that. I'm scrolling real quick through what I've got here through 2000. No one else has done that. So he was the first time since two, at least 2000, where I've got some metrics here uh, to do both. So if you want to double down on that, then you would actually be, you know, like giving. It. You'd be giving Giannis three MVPs in a row. I don't know if people, uh, the writers and who vote would necessarily go with that. But, you know, as we said, there's always a storyline behind. Yeah, there's going to be a big push for Durant to win this. There is. There is, uh, no doubt. And and he's probably going to be possibly like comeback player of the year because of what he went through. Yeah, but he doesn't care about that. No, he doesn't, but he is definitely going to be, you know, that if he can be, come back at 90%, he's, he, he's got a definite chance that regular season MVP for sure. And at plus 1,300, that, that, that's pretty good odds right there if you yeah. put some money on that. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to go Giannis MVP. Defensive player of the year, I am going to go um, – Do it. Double down, man. Yeah, I'm going to say Giannis. Yeah, I, I am. I'm going to go both again. Um, it, it, it never happens. It rarely, like we just said, it rarely happens. But I'm going to go both. 
Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you who you probably should pick based on your your assessment of the East. Uh, ben Simmons at plus 1600 for defensive player of the year. That's money. That's money well spent right now. I mean, if he's going to do anything on that team, it's going to be on the defensive side of the ball. They're going to take away his, his three-point shot. That's done. I mean, they, they added so many damn shooters this offseason. <laughs> it was almost yes. glaringly obvious that, that Daryl Morey was staring at Simmons in the face saying, hey, man, you're done shooting. All right, go stop the ball. Get, get, stay around the rim. Get, get a bunch of rebounds. Uh, you know, you know, you're going to become our, our, our way, uh, more, our way better-mannered Dennis Rodman. And if that's the case, he's winning this award. And plus sixteen hundred is good, good odds. All right, and like I said, go ahead. Th- th- that with that new head coach of Doc Rivers and Morey, yep. they're gonna they're gonna go into their science lab and figure something out. That's so what I mean. Right. They're gonna they're gonna have yeah, a specific right. role for him. And if the role is get to the rim and play defense and score some twos, he's gonna win yep. this award. <laughs> yeah. um, all right, rookie of the year. I would never bet LaMelo ball. Would you? Me neither. Me neither. He's, I was shocked. To see I, I, I can't. Bl- I, that's they're just dying. Vegas is just trying to get your money at this they point are. to me. I mean, I get the OB top in, but the Knicks, I mean, is, can the Knicks win anything? Even this? <laughs> I don't think so. Um, Halliburton's been a sexy name. <sighs> yeah, but again, is Sacramento going to take any kind of step forward that would put him in this kind of spotlight? I guess that's the pick at, at plus 2000 because he seems versatile enough, but I do think that James Wiseman has a real strong chance here because James Wiseman favorite. has the, <laughs> he has the benefit of having the best player, you know, one of the top three players in the league passing him the ball or taking a bunch of threes that he can benefit from rebounds off of. Um, you know, that Golden State team's not going to be great, but they're going to be good and they're going to be competitive and Curry's not going to back down from any fight. And if that's the case, Wiseman's going to be right there in a lot of big games. So he's going to have national spotlight. He's going to have a lot of TV time. He's on a team that knows how to win ball games. The safer bet is probably plus 700 for James Wiseman, but Halliburton at plus 2000 is probably worth a couple of dimes. Yeah, and those are the two guys that I had my eyes set on. Uh, so you, you took everything out of my mouth. Nothing else be said, sir. Okay, uh, this was good stuff. Keith, always great having Keith. My thanks to Catherine Terrell of the Athletic, New Orleans Saints beat reporter. That's a team to watch for sure with the quarterback situation and the cap situation as well. My thanks to the Athletic in general. Visit the athletic.com slash spot track for 40% off your first year subscription and to olbg.com. Learn how to become a better gambler, a better, a better, better. Don't make stupid picks like we probably just gave you ideas for. Uh, check out allbg.com. Get yourself free, free pick them contest. You can win some, some cash prizes. There's absolutely no obligation. There's, it's free to sign up. It's just go there, make some picks, and learn a little bit about betting and become better at it. That's a, that's a pretty good place to start. Olbg.com. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Gennetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Spot Trek Podcast. <laughs>